Welcome to the Halloween special of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. We'll be joined in a moment by my co-host, Joe Limbaugh. You should know Joe by now from previous episodes of this podcast, as well as the fanatics of film on YouTube. And on this episode, we're going to be discussing some of our favorite horror flicks. We actually got a chance to check out the new Halloween movie, so we're going to be rapping about that and just Halloween in general. Thank you for tuning in. Happy Halloween. And without further ado, Joe, happy Halloween. Thank you for joining me. LJ, happy Halloween and cheers. cheers. Our koozies dole any sound. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just have to imagine this. <laughs> Something along <laughs> Something those lines. Like so this is the Halloween special for the Dead Serial Podcast. Yeah. Who else would I do it with other than you? Oh, thank um, you. Your co-host of this episode, so I've been trying to get your input a lot more. Um, typically, where I ask somebody for one movie clip, I asked you for five. <laughs> you gave me six. I countered with six, and as opposed to doing like a scary movie month list of flicks to go through, right? I thought this would be a funner rundown. Yeah, the whole show could just be me just naming off movies I think you should watch so I bet it's probably a good idea that you decided to do it this way well I think between you and I both we've easily probably watched 40 to 50 horror flicks since September I've done 28 <laughs> I've done 28 so far I'm close to I'm 25 or 26 okay yeah I was 24 last I tallied and I've watched at least one more oh nice yeah I try and get in one a day if I can I think I've missed one day this month I do have a life. I just sacrifice my sleep. That's what Likewise. I Likewise. And I get a wrap of chip for it from the missus from time to time. But it is what it is. Um, it is the season. So we're going to throw down a clip. We're going to do one from you, one from me, and kind of chat about it for five or ten minutes. Sure. Chat that about the good. new Halloween movie. We oh, saw yeah. that last week. Yeah. Yes, we did. That was a wild night. That was a good night. <laughs> I'm so ripped right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, so rip. Oh. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> Good time. Well, let's jump into our first clip. We'll come back and talk about that for a minute and go from there. It sounds good. It's not as if she were a, a maniac, a raving thing. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. All right, so that's our first clip. Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, what year? 1960. Why'd you you roll with that right out the gate? Uh, I think it's where modern horror really starts. I really think that's the first modern horror film. I think you could still show it to a younger audience, and I, you know, there might be some giggles here and there, but I think overall it still stands up the test of time. It's creepy as fuck. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the birth of the, 
I could be wrong about this, but as far as I know, it's it's really the birth of where the slasher films begin. It's not a teen slasher movie like Black Christmas or Halloween or Friday the 13th or Elm Street, but it's it's a slasher film nonetheless. The, the oh, weapon absolutely. of choice is a knife in that film, you know? <laughs> and, well, and, and a lot of people credit John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's 1978 mm -hmm. Halloween, uh, the first one, as kind of spearheading the 80s genre of slashers, but... There were plenty, plenty before that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, when you say spearhead, you're right. I mean, there was, uh, I mean, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a sort of a slasher film. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I, I consider it to be a slasher film. Um, Black Christmas is the first teenage slasher film, and that was, what, 74, 75? Canadian film. That one. It's from Bob Clark, the director of uh, Children Shouldn't Day with, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, Porky's. And a Christmas story. Jesus. So we started off. We started off with horror films, uh, Death Dream, but that's more of a thriller. And then moved into raunchy '80s teen comedies, and then into family films. He had a, an interesting career. Awkward. But uh, Awkward career one. Black Christmas, I think, was remade <laughs> back in like 2004, maybe, or maybe more recently than that. But uh, it has Margot Kidder in it. She's off the um, Superman. Else? Superman the movie, Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. Yeah. Oh man, did didn't she recently pass? She did. Uh, last, yeah, earlier this year, and uh, um, she was in a horror film in the early '70s from Brian De Palma called Sisters, where she plays Siamese twins. They, they she, one of them kills people with a knife. And, I, don't, uh, I don't think I've seen that, but for some reason that makes me think of the uh, movie April Fool's Day. Or April Fools, maybe. Was no, I think it's it. April Fools' Day. There's yeah. been two versions of that, but no, it's a little. It's actually different. It's more of um, going back to Psycho. It's more of a Psycho um, influence because Brian De Palma. More of a psychological thriller. Yeah, but even stylistically, to TNA and gore. Right. Yeah. And sty yeah, stylistically too, it's very Hitchcock. But Brian De Palma's earlier films like uh, Dress to Kill, Blowout, Scarface, Carrie, they're all very. Hitchcock influenced, you know, obsession nice. and um, I would say maybe Raising Cain. So he does a lot of like Hitchcockian type films. And that's the thing is I think Psycho is that influential that for me um, it's the, the birth of modern horror. Like each decade has their own unique style of horror films. Like eighties teen slashers, exactly. Yeah. Like I mean, in the fifties, you've got like uh, that moved away from, or like in the thirties and forties, you had the Universal monsters and the more uh, gothic horror stories, uh, and then uh, they're all so good. And then yeah. and by the sixties, they moved or fifties, they moved into like sci-fi horror movies about like bug invasions and alien, you know, radioactive mutant ants, yeah, aliens, things like that. So I mean, each decade. <laughs> Uh, the 60s was kind of all over the place. It seemed like a lot of Roger Corman's uh, Edgar Allan Poe adaptations and a lot of um, William Castle's cheapos, uh, like The Tingler, and, well, that was the late 50s, but, like, uh, <laughs> the original 13 Ghosts, films like that, those were kind of the rage during the late 50s through the early 60s, and I think well, it's... Be Kind of the Hammer Films era, right? Yeah, the Hammer Films uh, came the out 60s, of the 50s. 80s. Okay. 50s through the uh, 70s originally. Uh, and then the studio came back a few years ago, and they've released a handful of films. But yeah, their heyday was definitely the 50s and 60s. Uh, but again, that was kind of going back to that gothic style of horror. And I think the 60s did that a lot. Again, 
Edgar Allan Poe adaptations like The Raven nice. and, yeah. and The Fall of the House of Usher and then you get like the hammer like Curse of Frankenstein Revenge of Frankenstein so uh, um, you know Dracula and all that kind of stuff with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing was all classic and really bloody for its day but like uh, I think Psycho is this rare anomaly Psycho along with uh, Peeping Tom The Haunting Night of the Living Dead The Birds and Rosemary's Baby those are like the genre-defining, game-changing horror films of their decade. Nice. Uh, and I think that all of those films have had a huge influence. But out of those films that came from that era, I'm going to have to go with Psycho as just just the best. I feel like it's a masterpiece of tension and uh, storytelling. Like, interesting way to tell the story. Spoiler here, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. Yeah. There's this, and right old. now we're going to make it extremely clear. Spoilers for everything we talk about, <laughs> including the most recent yeah. Halloween play. Yeah, That's coming later. But most of these but you should already be familiar with. Nice. Absolutely. And if not, you've been forewarned spoilers. So I apologize no, for no. what you were saying. No, I was just spoilers. saying that just take, killing the, the lead character off halfway through the film, that just didn't happen. right? That's, that's a whole game changer. <laughs> Only Hitchcock could take... A book that was considered that's you know loosely based on uh, Ed Gain, the actual uh, serial killer, and and take this book that's like lurid and trashy and pulp and make a grade A B movie. Like nice. Hitchcock's whole motivation was he wanted to do a cheap thriller that would tantalize people with insinuate a lot more sexual uh, innuendo and and. Um, sexual tension and a lot of like uh, psychological aspects of horror and get away from like monsters and the gothic tradition and dude he did he, he filmed it with his TV crew on a low budget an amazing job you had to fight too. to get this movie made and the black and white cinematography mm -hmm. six degrees of Michael Myers or maybe we should say six degrees of the shape when this comes up though. yeah yeah Janet Lee Jamie Lee Curtis's mom that's right is that she's Ma she's Marianne Crane. Yeah, yeah. Marianne Crane. The infamous shower scene. So, that that's badass. But we have a lot of clips to go through. Yeah, uh, I do want to say one last yeah, thing about no, it. Yeah, go quick. for it. The the music in um, Psycho by Bernard Herrmann is, I think, some of his finest work. And he was a prolific and well uh, respected uh, film composer. He's very influential, big influence on Danny Elfman when he started making film music he's one of his main influences Bernard Herrmann's sound is just amazing and everybody should be overly familiar with Danny Elfman <laughs> yeah by this point more so than Bernard Herrmann which is kind of sad because the man scored man, he scored Taxi Driver North by Northwest um, he just done so many Vertigo like just Twisted Nerve like the man's amazing you know a piece of music yeah. that's in Kill Bill Volume 2 nice that's oh, Bernard yeah. Herrmann that's from the film Twisted Herrmann uh, tw <laughs> Uh, Twisted Nerve for a minute I forgot what I was going to say but which is a really good English uh, thriller but nice yeah and he did the score for Psycho yeah is that what okay yeah sure all string arrangement too no brass in that normally you worked with brass I need to revisit that theme I, I enjoy music movie scores more than I'd probably like to admit oh so. I love movie scores not as much as my friend Chris <laughs> but I do like movie scores a lot. I'm so ripped. I'm right so now. ripped. <laughs> <What's> up, <laughs> <bro>? <laughs> Great pick. I, I love Norman Bates. 
American, or sorry, not American Psycho is another great flick, but <laughs> Psycho Four, I think, was the first in that franchise that I saw. Oh wow! Then as a kid, went to Universal and actually saw the Psycho. Psycho, I've been there too. And was just in awe of it. And then, shortly after that, came home, watched Psycho One, Psycho Two, and Psycho Three. So good pick. Nice. That's one that doesn't come to mind very often, but I love that. Uh, I'm going to come at you with this clip, okay. and we'll be right back. What's the weirdest thing you've ever saw in here? Kid, I have seen weird things come, and I have seen weird things go. But the weirdest thing I ever saw just had to cap it off. Oh, yeah? <laughs> What's that? Let me ask you a question, kid. Did you see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? A nice uh, clip there from Return of the Living Dead, Part 1, the original. I was impressed you knew it when I played the uh, sample for you, without yeah. hesitation. I know James Karen's voice well. I've seen this movie a few <laughs> times, man. Uh, so why did, you pick, why did you pick this one? You did. I let you go first with your six, and you did pick, I think, at least two, if not three, of... Maybe not the lines, but the movies I was going to pick. So I had to kind of go a little <laughs> bit deeper. I had to go back farther. It's good to know that we have some of those and, movies in uh, common on our oh, favorites. Absolutely. Um, so I, I kind of thought back to one of the first horror movies that I saw as a kid and loved. Outside of Night of the Living Dead, Halloween. Uh, I don't want to say too many because those are coming up. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to those. But... It's Return of the Living Dead, and George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead mm -hmm. is an awesome introduction to zombies, and it's a classic, and, and from being black and white, and coming to get you, Barbara, everything yeah. is amazing, but Return of the Living Dead and the satire, and probably the 80s punk, mm -hmm. so-called, quote-unquote, punk rock kids in it, and the TNA <laughs> as a 12 or 13-year-old kid, yeah. uh, and then just the gore and the way the zombies actually talk in this one. Yeah, move fast, and, too. And move well fast. Well before 28 Send Days Later. Send more cops. Send more cops. <laughs> yeah. And Leanna Quigley, mm -hmm. that big crush there, as a kid. And it's just a fucking classic one. They did the crutch to the dissected dog. Yeah. It's like an Irish setter or something, or a Scottish setter. And it, yeah, anyways, super creepy, super morbid, but colorful satire and I just I love that movie as a kid and I, I had to follow up Psycho what else am I going to do it with right right no, that's something a, good a little hokey and cheesy it's no it's got a <laughs> wicked sense of humor because it starts off as a as more of a comedy satire and then it turns into a feral gory horror film but oh, that, that extremely gory. used to terrify me that first um, the main zombie that's in the 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 container, the barrel. yeah. The, the barrel zombie is all just oozing and everything he with the eyeballs. A, oh, man. There's a name for him, but I can't think. Yeah, of that right now, like Yeah, I. Anyways, but he's so. To this day, he still gives me the creeps. Well, yeah. and just the makeup and the sliminess mm -hmm. and the ooziness. Like yeah. you, you get a sense of the feel of, of him and the movement in his body. Yeah. Brains. Brains. And he's not. It's almost at one point he's not like saying brains he's actually like having an intellectual moment where he's like brains <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the thing is he just he got he used to terrify me because he has kind of a not only is he just 
freaky looking, like nightmarish, but he can talk. Like, that's just <laughs> creepy to me. Like, it's not, you just don't get that in other zombie films. But did you know that that movie was written by Dan O'Bannon, the screenwriter of uh, Alien and Life Force? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Good entry, man. Fucking rad. And I'm not overly familiar with Life Force, but... Oh, it's good. Fuck out. Alien? Yeah. Come on. Life Force is from Toby, directed by Toby Hooper, who did the original... Texas Chainsaw Chainsaw Massacre. Chainsaw and and Part 2. Yeah. Yeah. As well as um, uh, The Fun House and Poltergeist. And Eaten Alive. Yeah, good 80s uh, horror film. That's what caught Spielberg's eye to hire him to do Poltergeist. I feel like I should be writing this down. I haven't seen that. I have no idea. The Funhouse. Funhouse, yeah. Yeah. It's like 1982. It's like four kids, two boys, two girls. They're two couples. They're in high school. They get stuck in this funhouse where they witness a murder. It's a bit like Green Room, only it's in a funhouse. Funhouses have always struck me as creepy. Yeah. It's closed now, but uh, we were just at Lagoon for Frightmares last Saturday. You remember the fucking funhouse at Lagoon? It's closed? It's gone. What? It's totally gone. Fun house gone. Are they replacing the fun oh, house? Oh no, no. It's like lockers, a bathroom, and a gift shop. Or wow, shit. no more fun houses in America, huh? Yeah. Well, they are creepy as shit. So maybe it's and dangerous. So you agree? Oh fucking, that's liabilities. Yeah. It's, the insurance has to be. We're old. How Please about tell me that? they still have the castle, the Dracula's, Dracula's castle. Dracula's castle. It's in dire need of really? attention. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish they'd just hire uh, a company like. Nightmare on 13th Street or yeah, yeah. one of these annual haunted houses who have an extremely well done production level even if it's a little cheesy or whatever but oh, it's haunted awesome. houses are nostalgic for me as a me kid too. loved that shit March of Dimes or uh, March of Dimes Haunted House yeah and then the Haunted Old Mill up in oh Combo. my god yeah I remember that that's the first haunted house I ever went to with my pops thank you dad the creepiest, <laughs> coolest experience of my life. Awesome. Like cemented. Um, anyways, they used, they yeah. used to have one at the uh, the old Murray Park, the Haunted Forest. I don't know if they still do that. I think they did a few years ago. But I think at Murray Park, they do something, and it's it's either one night or one weekend. I'm not sure. But yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. It's just for the locals. But um, I liked uh, no going back to um, like haunted mansions or. Those, those are like haunted house rides. Those are my favorite. Disney's Haunted Mansion and either Disneyland or Disney World. Yeah. Just Which phenomenal. are a little, they're those. almost identical, but especially the exterior of the mansions is yeah, that's totally different. different. Totally different. The queue and everything. But the, the, just the visual aspect of that ride, it's not scary, but it's just got that right vibe that I want to go back on in October. It has that strong gothic sense. Yeah. I want to see what they do for Nightmare Before Christmas, too, because I've heard that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I, I need a Disneyland Halloween vacation. Mm-hmm. Terribly. But yeah, um, no, Return of the Living Dead Part Part 1, or I say Part 1, but it's just Return of the Living Dead. There are... There is there Return of the Living Dead 2, two and, and 3. And then there are a couple of um, Italian-made films that are not related to that series and have no involvement with the same production, but have been released as... Uh, four and five, but yeah. In fact, I plan, I have the first two uh, Return of the Living Dead Scream Factory Blu-rays. I need to pick up Vestron Video released Return of the Living Dead, 
on Blu-ray last year as part of their collection, and they just released Maximum Overdrive today. Oh, so I got to pick that up. So <laughs> I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Music by ACDC. <laughs> Dude, it's got Yearly Smith in it, the voice of Lisa Simpson. Perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. Of course, it's got Emilio. <laughs> Emilio. Emilio. I was always more of an Emilio Estevez fan than a Charlie Sheen fan. Oh, yeah. I have Definitely. no shame saying that. Me either. But uh, uh, a long story short, that's why I chose <laughs> Eternal Living Dead. Well, it's a good choice. So we're going to take a clip Yeah, from let's you check now. out the next one. This is one of my picks. Of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. All right, you picked one of my main go-tos yeah. right out the gate, I, but I thought it was only fair to, to have you go first with your movies and I go, but... Oh, we John both love this movie. Deborah Hill, Halloween. Yeah, the original. Donald Pleasant as Dr. Loomis. Uh, by far, Lee. easily the glue of Halloween 1, 2, 4, 5, and 6. Yeah. 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 The, well, the, well done, sir. Well played. continuity. <laughs> Dude, the, this, is, this might be cliched because it's, it is a, a well-known film, but I'm not like a total horror gore hound. Like, that's all I watch. So right. when it comes to horror films, man, like, it's just a no-brainer. It's, Halloween's going to be on that <laughs> list. It's, it's got the name in it, for God's sakes, right? It's you got to Halloween. <laughs> it's John Carpenter. Deborah Hill, uh, Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis. Nick Castle. <laughs> Nick Castle is the shape. Uh, just tremendous film, man. Uh, so influential. It feels like it's in the same vein. It has, it's, to me, it's closer to Psycho than it is Friday the 13th. Easily. It's, I agree. There are only like three deaths in Psycho or two. Two deaths in Psycho and there are three deaths in Halloween. Five in Halloween. Name the five. Oh, you're right because of the. Sorry. I'm just thinking of the kids, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. He did kill he the man. He stole three kids, but in two adults. Mechanic, and yeah. then uh, there was one more. I can't remember. Uh, but anyways, I'm willing to put money on this. It's fine. Yeah, it's either four or five, but it's but still, it's not and it's not overly bloody and do yeah. you know what I mean? So it felt and it's more stylized and it's more about an exercise in, in tension. Well, terror it's a than psychological horror. thriller for sure. Yeah, so that soundtrack, the the, the panaglide shots, mm-hmm. creeping in, down in, or from behind, and yeah, looking amazing. in the darkness and just seeing yeah. the face of the shape. Really yeah. hard not to, to talk about the new Halloween right now, but let, we'll yeah. focus on the original. We'll get to that after we plow through these clips. It's just, in my opinion, it's it's one of the. Um, Best horror films I've ever seen. I, it, def, it definitely contributed to the... Where Black Christmas wasn't overly huge, this film was. And this definitely contributed to nice. the uh, uh, teen slasher phase of the 80s. Uh, especially the, the holiday themes. I mean, there was Black Christmas before it, but it's like after Halloween, there's Friday the 13th. And uh, there's, as I mentioned earlier, April, April Fool's Day. Day. 
My Bloody Valentine. I was just going to say uh, Valentine's Day. Silent one. Night, Deadly Night. And that wasn't influenced by Black Christmas. Silent that was Night, Deadly Night is uh, an excellent Tales from the Crypt episode as well. That's right. Thing, isn't that you know. the season finale from season one? No, it's the season opener. Ah. It's the very first episode. And they also did an adaptation of it in the Ambicus um, anthology film, Tales from the Crypt, from the mid-70s with Joan Collins. And uh, other, uh, Donald Pleasance is in it. Um, it's just, Ambigus was a, like Hammer, they were the other horror studio okay. out of England. Yeah. And most of their films were anthology films. They didn't do a lot of um, singular story-oriented films. It was mainly just the, what they're remembered for, their anthology horror films. Well, that's kind of a cool aspect of the horror genre for me, especially with movies, is a lot of them are either franchises or anthologies. Mm-hmm. And Universal, like you mentioned earlier, is a perfect example of a pre-Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah. Cinematic universe. Yeah. I mean, they only vaguely cross over, and when they do, it is kind of contradictory to to their own films, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It's just fun. It's just fun. Yeah, and that's their (laughs) aspect. They weren't thinking of, like, we're world-building. It was just, hey, people like this monster and this monster. Put them in a film We own all these properties. Let's mix them up. Probably and some make more movies to make more money and sell more popcorn. It's like Carl <laughs> Carl Lindley, he probably had his big old cigar and he's just like, Yeah, let's take this monster yeah, and throw him in there. Yeah, no, you couldn't with gas. You know, that kind of a thing. But no, uh, so you love Halloween too. I I don't know about you, but I but I saw Halloween um, it was the first of the Halloween films I saw, but I saw it when I was like eleven or twelve. I think I was twelve. I was around that age. And and for me, I think I was actually introduced thanks to like TBS or TNT or USA with like Michael Myers 4 and 5. Right. From the, the video rental store. Um, and which, God as I got older, it. I was like, fuck it, well, this is 4 and 5 and the curse of Michael Myers, I need to. There's 1 and 2. Right. I remember being so amped. When I first was going to watch Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, (laughs) back then, as you know, you saw trailers on your rental videos and in the theater. There was no YouTube. There wasn't any internet. You had a really strong sense of community. And unless somebody's like, oh, hey, by the way, Michael Myers isn't in this one. You don't know. I was completely expecting it and I, right. I think I remember the gut-wrenching feeling when the credits rolled I felt like I got robbed or you know, something like, where like, is he the fuck and that was the that's the whole but reason why that, that was is, bombed that is a fun movie knowing it's removed the masks and with the bugs and shit in yeah. Season of the Witch it's yeah. all and the song it's Dude. almost time boys and girls yeah the oh, happy happy oh, Halloween, oh, Halloween, oh, Halloween Halloween fucking Halloween. fantastic uh, but great, in its own pick. rights, yeah, it's a good horror film yeah. in its own rights. It's just not a Halloween with Michael Myers or the, the shape. shape. Yeah. yeah, it's just its own thing. They should just call it <laughs> Season of the Witch, and then doing a Halloween three that they've never done. And again, we'll get <laughs> we'll get to Halloween the the 2018 Halloween soon enough. But okay. Aside from that line, favorite part of Halloween before we jump into the the clip. Like favorite scene or just favorite aspect of it overall? Ooh, you you decide. That's a tough one. Because <laughs> I've always loved the, the combination of music and cinematography in that movie. Agreed. But I would have to say that my absolute favorite scenes, uh, real quick, I'll break it down for you like this. 
the scenes where Lori and her friends are walking home from school and Michael's following them in the car oh. and they're having their casual conversation talking about going to dances and like you have a crush on Ben Tramer and like all that kind of stuff. Like, that's in the car. Asshole. Yeah, all the scenes. <laughs> and, and seeing Michael Myers standing there or the shape standing on the sidewalk from the bush partially obscured staring at them and Lori just catches it real quick and by the time she looks back Gone. Gone. Yep. And then running into running into the sheriff and like everybody just it's Halloween. I guess everybody's entitled to one good scare. <laughs> like all of those moments before the actual murders begin, where it gets really tense. But but those moments leading up to it are just so creepy because it, it feels so natural. Like they're not stereotypical teenagers that we see in movies now. Like they're kind of natural performances, and it just. Um, yeah, it's just like this looming, I don't know how to describe it, this impending looming fucking danger that's coming towards ordinary people in an ordinary setting. Like, you feel safe in your suburban neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it just Well, the that. end of that movie is perfect where it's, Loomis looks over the balcony and the shape is gone after right. he shot him six times yeah. with a wheel gun. And that whole idea that Deborah Hill and John Carpenter have just showing all the places that the shape had been. Right. And the shadows and the light contrast. Almost indicating that he could be back at that anywhere. soundtrack, that score, we were talking about it earlier, fucking love musical scores. No, that's rad. Well, I'm going to throw one of my clips at you. All right. Do it. Bring think. it. Bring it. That's a nice selection there. I dig. So uh, why'd you uh, why'd you pick this classic? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Toby Hooper, Dennis Hopper. Uh, that was the first film I think I ever saw Dennis Hopper in. Oh, wow. I thought he was an absolute badass. <laughs> the uncle <laughs> yeah. investigating the disappearance of his niece and nephews. and it Just phenomenal. The radio DJ LG. Mm-hmm. LG. <laughs> I hope nice. I'm not comparable to him. It gets his fucking face cut off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it for me, it kind of, after picking Return of the Living Dead, kind of the color scheme, the satire, the, mm-hmm. the gore, it just kind of seemed to flow for me. And again, going back to when I was a kid, one of the first horror flicks I ever watched, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And it's it, it, it forever etched in my memory. <laughs> yeah, quite different than the original. Extremely in, in different. Tone and everything. I mean, it's got a bigger budget, that's for sure. It's yeah. got some, some a- actual like actors you f- you're familiar with. Well, and that opening scene on the bridge with the, the prep guys and their convertible calling yeah. the radio DJ and fucking with their... It was so creepy to me because Leatherface... He wears other people's faces. Mm-hmm. He wields a chainsaw. Rest in peace, Gunnar Hansen. He's not Leatherface and Chainsaw 2, but there's only one Leatherface, and it's fucking Gunnar Hansen. Yeah. I actually got to meet him once at Rocky Point Haunted House when really? I was 17 or 18. I just went right up to him. He was doing a signing. It was like, Gunnar Hansen. And he kind of looked at me like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just shook his hand. It was like, Awesome, a. but uh, yeah, great, great movie. 
You didn't get anything signed? You didn't have him sign? Oh, anything? I had him sign an 8 by 11 picture of Leatherface holding the chainsaw up with Grandpa in front of him. Nice. It's like LJ. It doesn't say the Saw's family. It says something else and Gunnar Hansen. And I can't fucking find it. No. You got to find that thing. Heartbreaking. It. it should be right here on my wall. Yes. That would be a good <laughs> space for it, too. So, no. yeah. Totally I, different feel from the first one. Kind of tied in to more 80s horror. Yeah. Kind of like Halloween 4 or 5. And just that whole time frame in one of those movies as a kid. I just, I loved. Toby Hooper did a fantastic job reinventing yeah. what he created from... Texas Chainsaw Massacre won in 1974. Yeah, and amped up the amped up the blood and gore too. Oh yes. <laughs> seeing that, and seeing the, we... there's some sexual innuendos in there with the chainsaw. Yeah. The end. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of awkward. Yeah, but seeing really? that, uh, I remember when I saw it as a kid, uh, and I think I caught it on. It had to have been HBO. I didn't even rent it, but seeing the kid in the convertible like get his face cut in half Gets with the, the chainsaw. Top yeah. Quarter of his oh man, cut off. that just. That the tr- blood spurts and it just <laughs> like ripped me the out. The hand shaking. Yeah. And then his buddy riding shotgun is freaking the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that always freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid for sure. Well, and when the driver pulls out the wheel gun and, and pops, that's what I was trying to get at earlier. Stoner moment, I apologize. But it's already creepy with Leatherface wearing other people's skin over his face. Right. And kind of. Having that ability to reinvent himself is creepy as fuck. Just amazing. But then that opening scene on the bridge where the pickup truck approaches a convertible and he's got a puppet almost, but it's a corpse. And he's puppeteering it with a black hood over his head. And the guy pulls out the wheel gun and fires a shot. And it's a headshot on the puppeteer. And they actually see Leatherface and they just shit themselves. <laughs> yeah. I shit myself watching that as a 12, 13-year-old kid. Like, holy fuck. Yeah, great, I did too. Great movie. It's a great, it's a classic. And Screen Factory has a, a release of that on Blu-ray too, I should pick up. Did your uh, Star Trek communicator just go off? It's a Star Trek communicator <laughs> from, my, uh, from the classic Star Trek, and I forgot to silence my phone. I'm an asshole. I'm that guy in the movie theater. And then when you started talking, I even kind of peeked at it maybe on that note we jump to the next clip and let's do it let's keep this ball rolling they're coming to get you barbara stop it you're ignorant they're coming for you barbara stop it you're acting like a child they're coming for you look there comes one of them now you picked another one i wanted to (laughs) roll with yeah George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. If you'll help me out here, what year was that released? 1968. 68. 68. I think that's the oldest one we've got. Psycho. Psycho was 60. Oh, shit. But this is, this is in that same decade. This well, is a- and George A. Romero honestly gave us the modern-day zombie. The, yeah. the notion of a zombie having to feed off of human flesh or in Return of the Living Dead... Brains. Specifically, human brains. Um, yeah, before super then, fucking creepy, and a and a great misfit song. That's I right. I don't care if it's yeah. not Glenn Danzig, <laughs> but Famous Monsters is a phenomenal album. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's probably one of their more more popular albums too. 
And one of the creepier lines from a horror film that they're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah. Which I love how they used in Shaun of the Dead as well, because Sean's mom's name is Barbara, so <laughs> right. he's on the phone. And then uh, Ed grabs it. Exactly. We're coming to get you, Barbara! <laughs> so clever. But um, what I love about Night of the Living Dead, dude, is it's... Um, so it's 1968. It has so much sociopolitical commentary, which is really the point. It, it, Romero didn't even call zombies zombies until Land of the Dead in 2004. It's the first one of his zombie oh, movies. Where they call them zombies. So who coined that phrase? I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how the modern zombie and his ghouls sort of became um, synonymous. But I mean, I think whoever coined, rechristened those monsters as zombies did it from watching Night of the Living Dead. You know what I mean? Because yeah. all zombie, modern zombie horror is based on that. However, Prior to that, zombies were more like it was part of like the voodoo magic kind of ritual. Some somebody who was summoned back either to be a servant uh, or to exact revenge on a specific person. And Romero himself has actually done two stories in that classic zombie mode in, in Creepshow. There's two revenge nice. zombies, Creepshow, Revenge from the Grave. Yeah. yeah, the original Creepshow. Other than that, um, his goals or zombies became the standard by which they're all compared to. I mean, people, um, it's even it's even weird that it divides people on whether or not they like fast-moving zombies or slow-moving zombies. Yeah. It divides people on whether or not they consider 28 Days Later a zombie, a real zombie film or not. And when I somebody says... I absolutely consider it. I do. If somebody says it's not because they're not dead, I say, well, you know, technically George Romero's zombies aren't zombies they're by definition animated. either. Yeah. Yeah, so... Whatever it follows all the same <laughs> tropes, so it's um, I mean it's the mother of them all, dude. What can you say about it? Yeah, it, the fact that it was low budget and handheld. Uh, well, I mean there were a lot of static shots, but they do a lot of handheld like cinema verte style that's now really common. It was kind of radical in the '60s. It gave it sort of a almost documentary like feel, dude. It's a film that uh, even Roger Ebert, in his original review for Chicago Sun Times, mentions that. It was on a double bill with like a cheesy horror film because at that time most horror films were made for young audiences to go with dates or whatever. Super just cheesy. Have fun. Low budget. Yeah. No gore. And this film came on and you know kids are first they're throwing popcorn at the screen and laughing like they normally would but when the carnage for really <laughs> begins like he says the kids were crying like it was just really intense it for had them. had to be terrifying. Yeah. Really terrifying. Well in one of the, in my opinion one of the best horror remakes number one and it's hard for me to pick favorites I mean top five top three number right. one picking six horror clips just for this episode was extremely hard number one horror remake hands down is Night of the Living Dead what was that 1990 the Tom Savini remake or no. 1990 the Tom Savini remake yeah. with Tony Todd yep and Patricia Tallman that's 1990 and I I don't know why maybe it, it was a bias from how much I loved the classic George A. Romero's yeah. Night of the Living Dead. That remake was phenomenal. I think it's I, I I'm very picky about remakes of classic horror films. Like As just am to I. just to <laughs> throw this out there, I don't like the Rob Zombie Halloween films. I don't like the new Texas Chainsaw films. Um, I I didn't care for the new Elm Street or the new Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, however, I would say that that 
Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's 2004 yeah, version. Those are good. Is phenomenal as well. But it's, I mean, really, Dawn of the Dead, the remake outside of the mall, which isn't even in the whole film, is really a remake in name only. It's its, it's, its own zombie story, you yeah. know? But I, for me, I think the uh, 2011 remake of Fright Night and the 1986 remake of The Fly, the 88 remake of The Blob, the 79 remake <laughs> the of Blob Invasion, and the Fly. Invader, Invaders... Definitely Invasion made. of the Body Snatchers, yeah. There, there have been some classic... The, I never saw the remake of Body Snatchers. The 79? With yeah. uh, Donald Sutherland, Leonard Nimoy, nope. Jeff Goldblum. Shame on me. It's cool. Damn it. Philip Kaufman. Um, no, there are good remakes, but the reason why I think those remakes work and the other remakes don't is the other remakes are all based on franchise, right? Right. And their whole intention is to get another franchise out of it is why they see stuff or like in the Friday the 13th remake they played around with like the first three movies they took aspects from the first three movies and kind of or the first really two and three and just kind of threw them together I, I don't like it if it's a standalone horror movie and they can do a decent remake of it so I realize that there's a whole franchise of Romero zombie movies but they're not there's no continuity I was there. just going to say there's no continuity they're so, just Movies that take place with different ghouls or zombies, but Night, Night of the Living Dead, great. We have a mutual friend, great. Chad. Yeah. And uh, his mom's name was Barbara. Ah. I remember when we were kids and we watched the original Night of the Living Dead, we we barely got like maybe a quarter of the way through. He's going to maybe kill me for telling the story. <laughs> it was it was funny, you know, at the time. the whole, He eventually called his mom to come pick him up because he was scared and the whole time I just kept saying she's coming to get you Barbara <laughs> so I love you Chad I just had to share that with Joe I thought he'd get kicked out it's of still it. funny now <laughs> uh, with that said I, we still have a, a nice chunk of clips to go through should we roll roll yeah. with it let's, uh, let's get to the next one here That's a good clip right there. Pumpkinhead, 1988. Pumpkinhead. So uh, that's kind of an obscure one, actually. So what brought, what, I mean, it's it's got a cult following, <laughs> but it's kind of obscure compared to the other films we've been talking about. Pumpkinhead is really one of those movies, I'm, I must have been pretty young, because um, we still lived in, in our house in West Valley growing up, and I can't remember how old I was when we moved out of there, but definitely pre-teens, maybe nine or ten but I was having a big slumber party and middle of summer somehow we're watching fucking Pumpkinhead and that movie terrified the living shit out of me yeah like I remember not being able to sleep that night and it's just so so creepy I mean I can't even define it even right now but the Pumpkinhead itself and its stance and the movement the special effects and makeup are fucking amazing for such a low budget film and I I think Pumpkinhead doesn't get a whole lot of credit 
for it really does how well done it was i mean it's a horror flick yeah it's cheesy and it's got its moments but overall it's fucking creepy as shit oh, and fantastic dude especially from the late 80s and the reason why it's so good is it's the only film that stan winston ever directed but stan winston uh, was the effects guy. He, he created the xenomorphs uh, for... Um, for Alien. For, well, right? I'm not sure right. about Alien for Aliens. Because I know Geiger obviously had the initial Geiger was the designer design yeah. for the Alien. But Geiger wasn't involved in Aliens, as far as I know. Uh, and Stan Winston was the guy who... So Stan Winston also created the Terminators for the Terminator. The oh, first sweet. The uh, T-100. Terminator. And then he created the uh, like the Alien Queen and the Xenomorphs. You notice how the Xenomorphs look and a James little... Cameron's and James Cameron's Alien. alien. Right. So they look a little bit different than the Alien in Alien. Right. They're a little sleeker, a little bit bigger, and their man- maneuverability. And he so he put that all into to Pumpkinhead. This guy was a I genius, no dude. He, he also designed... Red. He designed the Predators, too. Like, he's... On Predator 1 and 2, we've mentioned this before. Yeah. Uh, great movies of their time... Just fucking red sci-fi yeah. action flicks. Did you like the new Predator? I haven't seen it yet. The I actually Predator. did. Uh, I'm gonna get flack from like the diehard Predator fans, but fuck them. There's no <laughs> mythology to Predator. It's not like a, a Star Wars, or, or even if it was, it doesn't matter because for me, it was what I expected. It was a Predator hunting humans on Earth. It was gory. It was funny. That's the thing. Is it had a lot more. It was probably had the the it has the biggest sense of humor. Out of all the Predator movies. Nice. But it, the music was very much keeping in line with the music from the first three Predator movies. The score. The score. Yeah, right. Very similar. Which is to, awesome in Predator 1 and 2. Yeah. It was very similar to Alan Silvestri's original score. Um, Tom Jane and Keegan-Michael Key were great in it. It was a lot of fun. Like, it's just a good popcorn movie. It's a good entry into the films. None of them are going to be as entertaining as the original Predator. Uh, <laughs> just like, you know... Um, none of the Halloween movies are ever going to be as good as the original Halloween or the original or none of the Psycho movies are going to be as good as the original they they set the standard they set the foundation especially for their franchise and for their characters there are exceptions I mean I think Alien stands up to Alien and I think Evil Dead 2 is better than Evil Dead 1 I I agree Evil Evil Dead Dead 2 is better than Evil Dead 1 but I love them both I do same thing with Phantasm 1 and 2 but I love Phantasm 2 like ridiculously but we'll get into that later Okay. But yeah, no. Yeah, um, we will. Pumpkinhead. Well, and speaking of Pumpkinhead and aliens, uh, we don't have six degree six degrees of the shape here, but Lance. You got Lance Henderson in there, who was in. Uh, who's Bishop in Aliens? In Alien, the yeah. Android. And then the same year he did. Uh, but and the Pumpkinhead is, it's more or less an entity based off of him. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of a supernatural yeah. thing. It's totally a supernatural thing, As which made it even creepier. Yeah, <laughs> and well, in his transformation in the film, he's the grieving dad who, you know, the out of town city slicker kids accidentally killed his son, so he gets goes to the old gypsy, gypsy lady, lady and in the she, woods for revenge. She brings back Pumpkinhead, but it's going to start to change him, and then his transformation. It's just really creepy, right. and there's some really graphically violent deaths in that movie. There's some dark shit yeah. towards the end there. Yeah, that one does not have a sense of humor. Some of these other films we've talked about have had a sense of humor. I mean, Psycho didn't really, but... Night of Living Dead, not so much. No, but... Halloween, not so much, but there oh, was... Oh, I don't know. There's humor in, in there. There's humor yeah. in Halloween. Even, and a few jump well, scares to just get you, yeah. you know? 
But yeah, no, Pumpkinhead, totally underrated. That one also has a Scream Factory Blu-ray release, and it is on my list. There's a ton from Scream Factory that I need to pick up. Uh, and that's definitely on my list. And I love Lance Henriksen. I loved him in uh, Millennium, which was a sister series to the X-Files. I love him in uh, Damien, The Omen 2, The Terminator. Small part, but he's in it. Um, uh, you know, aside from Aliens, the following year after Aliens, he and Bill Paxton were also in a movie together called Near Dark, where they play a bunch oh, of hellbilly yeah, vampires. Near Dark is an amazing so good. movie. It's totally underrated. That's Completely from underrated. Catherine Bigelow. She also went on to direct Point Break and Strange Days and The Hurt Locker. Yeah. So it's nice. kind of this whole incestuous thing. I didn't know that. <laughs> so it's like, really, if you think about it, you've got Aliens, which James Cameron directed, and Lance Henriksen, Bill Paxton, then they're in Near Dark, which Catherine Bigelow directed, but Catherine Bigelow had been married to James Cameron. And then you get Pumpkinhead, which was directed by Stan Winston, who did the visual effects for Alien and Terminator. So he's worked with James Cameron. So it's like this whole incestuous kind of thing. Family. Yeah, it's like a little family. It's right. cool. Unfortunately yeah. for us, Stan Winston passed away a few years back. So uh, I think it was around 2010 or maybe 12. I forget. Uh, I should know this. but Because he's an icon. He's right up there with Tom Savini and Rick Baker nice. and Ray Harryhausen and, you know, uh, Douglas Turnbull and Derek, John, excuse me, Derek Metting and John Dykstra, the, the Phil Tippett, all the great effects people. Um Willis O'Brien, all these guys that have just pushed the envelope to like bring films to where they are now in terms of what we can do visually. So he's an icon. Nice, fucking a. Yeah. Uh, on that on that note, keep it going. Yeah. On to the next one. Yes, I'll shut up for a minute. No, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, dialogue is good. Yeah. We need content. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, you'd all be bored. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, take a look at this. It's gonna be a long episode, but it's a Halloween special. Yeah. Roll with it. These are good movies, folks. We're, we're just getting going. Uh, so we're going to go to one of yours now, and we'll All right. be right back. This is pure nonsense. doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last. All right, Joe, John Carpenter's The Thing was your clip. I'm going to say it before you can. Six Degrees of the Shape. Because <laughs> not only is it John Carpenter, who did Halloween 1 and 2 and 3, and we'll talk about 2018 Halloween later, but The Thing is a remake of The Thing from Outer Space, correct? Yeah, yeah, Howard Hawks' uh, classic, um, which is... They're both adapted from a short story called Who Goes There by, uh, I think it's by Joseph W. Campbell. Nice. And uh, John Carpenter's a little bit more faithful than the Howard Hawks, but they have the same exact opening sequence with the, the way the lettering, the thing, the way it opened, tears open in the screen, yeah. the lighting behind it. Which is iconic. It's awesome. But Six Degrees of the Shape. Yeah. In Halloween 1, when Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is babysitting Tommy. Yeah. They're watching They're that. watching the, that one on TV. And Specifically the scene where the yeah. scientists are in a circle around where the alien shape would be. <laughs> uh, not the alien, but the alien ship that they've uncovered in the ice. The which, shape, ship. Ship, shape. 
Yeah, well, it's a shapeshifter, so... Shape up or ship out. Which is kind of cool, because in that prequel to John Carpenter's theme thing, which wasn't bad, the one in 2011, they actually do that scene again. They actually, when they find, oh, when they nice. discover, like, they do that. Oh, I no. haven't seen that. No, they didn't. That's, what am I thinking? No, it starts off completely different. They find it by falling through the ice. But yeah, no, there's footage of them. Okay, yeah, I am right. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's good. It's not John Carpenter's The Thing, it's but it's a, thing. it yeah. literally leads into it. It ends where the Carpenter film begins. Nice. So it's it's all about the Norwegian team. Well, dog-friendly podcast. I think we've got kiddos snoring in the background. Huh. Right? Uh, why, why John Carpenter's The Thing? For me, any movie with snow in it is something I watch in the winter. Yeah. So until you sent me that clip in your list of movies for the Halloween special... I never considered the thing a Halloween movie, but mm. it's a monster movie. Yeah. It totally is. It's a horror film. But why do you For sure. Um, it's the one aspect of horror that we haven't... Like tonight, we've had serial killers. We've had uh, zombies. Um, it's the... Chainsaw-wielding, uh, face-wearing... Yeah, chainsaw-wielding, knife-slashers. <laughs> uh, Supernatural, xenomorph-esque beings. So yeah. I'm the interrupting. Thing, no, no, you're fine. The thing is just... It's the... First, I think it's the only sci-fi horror film in this list that we've compiled for tonight. and I concur. It would have either been this or Alien. But The Thing, as much as I love Alien, John Carpenter's The Thing. I don't know, it's so claustrophobic and it's so... <laughs> isolated? It's isolated, but so is Alien, too. They're oh, stuck on the ship. Yeah, fuck yeah, in space. <laughs> the Thing is a lot more... It's, it's like part of body horror which David Cronenberg is more known for. But it's just a really gory film. It's like one of those films like a 12... A film like Alien and Aliens, they didn't bother me. Like, I loved them. They, they just, they're so good, but I, could, yeah. st- I still couldn't watch The Thing. I don't even think I could watch The Thing by myself until I was like 26 years old, man. I think it was like <laughs> when I was 18 or 20, I could watch it with people, but I'd kind of like look away at the right parts because it was just so gory to me well, those that's pretty effects still you, stand you well you chose the blood test scene where Kurt Russell is holding everybody I guess you could say at gunpoint but more so at flamethrower point yeah and he has them tie each other up one guy tries to get the upper hand on him and sucker punch him he shoots him in the head yeah and they do the blood test the blood screams out of the tray, yeah. squiggles across the floor, and and you can watch this movie, but you chose it. It's I couldn't <laughs> then, but once I was able to like. The first time I watched it by myself, I decided, you know what, I'm a, I'm a grown ass man, I'm nearly thirty. This was a while ago, uh, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna do it right. I'm gonna watch it in the dark, and I'm just gonna let it creep the shit out of me, and I. I found that it didn't really creep me out anymore uh, so much. There were still some squidgy, ooh, that's gross. Just yeah. the general idea of, like, to me it's on the same level of something like The Shining or Alien where you're isolated and there's uh, something there that's going to hurt you and kill you. But the thing just, it's the whole idea of trust and paranoia. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it really starts to play with your mind. Who is the thing? Who is the thing? And I keep watching it. Been watching it every year, year after year, and I still cannot figure out the moment when um, uh, Wilford Brumley's character, God, what is his name? 
that they walk in the other uh, you're space. O- you're overly familiar with the thing. I've seen it, seen wow, seen it, seen it numerous uh-huh. times. Having a few ice cold beers as yeah, we plow yeah. through these clips, so I apologize. What else is new? <laughs> um, anyways, I interrupted. Well, no, I just I can never figure out when where Wilford Brimley's character is is taken over by the thing, and I mean it's just like going back and just looking at all the little the little nuances. I love the score by Ennio Morricone, uh, although it sounds like a score that John Carpenter could have done himself. Oh yeah, I'm still Very not sure why he has. didn't. But it's okay because it's Ennio Morricone who scored Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Once Upon a Time, The Revolution, a.k.a. Duck, You Sucker. Once Upon a Time in America, <laughs> The Hateful Eight. This man is a genius. The Untouchables. Uh, he's done great I scores. The and I think The Thing is one of his best scores. But it sounds like a John Carpenter score. But I love the cinematography in that film. The, the lighting. Um the sets, just the whole atmosphere. It's just a really good claustrophobic sci-fi horror movie, man. It gets <laughs> under your skin. And I think a lot of modern films, I think there's a, just like Halloween and Psycho and Chainsaw and whatnot, uh, Night of the Living Dead, I think they're, the thing has been heavily influential. And I think um, films like uh, Cabin Fever and um, films like... Uh, Evil Dead? Not so much Evil Dead, but there was one that came out. There was one that came out a few years ago, and I'm trying to think what the name of it is. But it's like, oh, Splinter. Yeah, where if you get stuck by the splinter, it starts to turn you into like this splintery creature that spreads and and slither. uh, Night of the Creeps. I think films like I think films like this have uh, a lineage to John Carpenter's a thing. I think even the 1988 remake. Chuck Russell remake of uh, The Blob owes a great deal to John Carpenter's The Thing because that it takes remake the, uh, of the Blob is phenomenal. And it's, it's awesome. I love it's that great. movie. Everything. The effects, everything. That it, it, that could have easily been on here too. Quick honorable mention, hmm. The Stuff. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, Larry Cohen's The Stuff, man. That's another classic. <laughs> these the, Any one of these sci-fi horror movies could have been my choice for sci-fi horror but the thing I just think has a, a level of intensity and um, it's kind of Kurt Russell and a bunch of badasses in it Fuck that yeah. it just it just great cast raises that level for me like I showed it to my brother two Halloweens ago and he um, I guess it was three Halloweens ago he'd never seen it didn't care for those kind of movies he was actually quite surprised at the psychology involved in it that it was it's, it is a gore fest but it's a thinking person's gore fest like it's really good uh, and I, again, I think it's just an influential, iconic horror film. And I'll probably Love rewatch it. it during a nice snowstorm. I'm going to have to rewatch it, especially when the snow flies. Yeah. And as I mentioned off air earlier with the Empire, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So, sticking with horror flicks, I'm going to throw that, excuse me, I'm going to throw at you another clip. All right, let's hear what you got. The box. You opened it. We came. It's just a box! Oh no. It is a means to summon us. Who are you? Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Ooh. Classic. Classic Hellraiser there. Did I go um, a little too dark? That is a pretty a dark one. Super that, is, that is a little dark. Uh, well, but I still love it. <laughs> I, it's dark. It's dark enough that I bought the Arrow uh, 
the release, the Steelbook edition. But uh, why did you uh, why didn't you pick Hellraiser? I think Hellraiser for me. I was a little bit older when I saw this movie for the first time, and com- complete introduction to Clive Barker from Hellraiser and huh. Hellraiser Two, Hellbound, and it really delivered kind of paying homage to Pumpkinhead, but taking it a lot more serious and a lot yeah. more adult. Yeah. But just the cinematography, the special effects, Pinhead is essence, the creepiness, the Cenobites. Yeah. Clyde Barker is a very creative, dark individual. And yeah, I, I again, going through your list and then compiling mine, it was one of those movies I kind of feel like I had to get, I had to reach back a little bit further yeah. and kind of remember some of these movies that really got me into this genre and into films in general and kind of getting an idea of who the director was, who these actors were, who wrote the story. Right. And again, I'm not a cinephile by any means, but yourself, um, I would say you are. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm kind of. I try. I try to be. We've defined that in previous episodes. So people can go back. But really just the, the dark tone and all the satire is gone and it's not poppy. And yeah. It's really Especially dark. for the year that it came out, it's not... It just set itself aside from the horror standard. It did. And really intrigued me. Clyde Barker, thank you. Yeah. That's why I chose Hellraiser. It is a very <laughs> graphic film, too, sexually and, and violently. Absolutely. Uh, there are some really disgusting moments in it, but it's... Yeah, it's interesting, too, because it's a, it's a British take on during the 80s on sort of um, kind of what was happening in American horror but it, it has that distinctly British feeling to it you know what I mean it's, it's just different a lot more repressed and yeah. just dark and gory um, I mean I think the movie takes place the, uh, the original story that it's based on is set in England but I think the movie is, takes if I remember correctly it takes place in the US they have some American actors it does take place they have in some, the US some yeah. British actors using They've got some limeys using some Yank accents. <laughs> and it was filmed in England. Like, British crew, British effects people. Like, it is really... It's got that, that feel to it. It's different. It's different <laughs> than other horror movies that came out yeah. in that era. Absolutely. Um, well, in Pinhead, I mean... you For us, you know, we, we had The Shape. We had Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger. Michael Myers. Chucky. Oh, you mentioned and, that. Yeah. Yep, sorry. Um... But then you have like Pinhead, and I thought Leatherface had a stage presence compared to fucking Pinhead. Pinhead. Yeah. <laughs> Pinhead and the Tall Man from the Phantasm movies, which we'll I'll talk about later. You're getting yeah. anxious. You want to talk about Phantasm as much as I want to talk about the new Halloween movie, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. But those, yeah, the, the, those two, I think Pinhead and the Tall Man are a little bit different than. Because obviously the shape and, and Jason Voorhees and Leatherface don't talk. Uh, Norman Bates, uh, a little bit just. Creepy. Well, how about the the Man in Black from Poltergeist? Yeah, kind very of creepy that type of dark, creepy, unsettling. Yeah. These films have. Their I own, don't uh, like this character, kind of in yeah. a sense, but you love that character because you don't. 
really like the creepiness? I don't know. Well, Maybe almost that's me. Almost all of these horror icons. This is where I'm going. Is that almost horror, all of these horror icons have their own unique personalities and traits? But you know, like like I was saying, you know, three of them don't talk. Uh, Freddy's a little bit more. It started veering more into self-referential comedy and things like oh, that. Yeah. Breaking the fourth wall, where like you have the tall man and Pinhead. The reoccurring characters in movies, but they are very dark and sinister presence that you really are like. Pinhead frightened me. I mean, he really did. It wasn't. I could watch the Hellraiser movies, and I still do. At least the first two. There you go. No, no. By all means, crack it open. I'm gonna have a sip of mine. But these characters, uh, Pinhead. I, I could watch uh, Hellraiser and Hellraiser, Hellbound Hell, Hellraiser 2, which I did and have many times I own them, but they are not, um, they're not safe horror movies for me. They're not ones I can just pop in and like, it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they still, to this day, some of the themes and ideas are still really just like The Fly. It's just, wow, I still have a hard time with those films because... They are so much more disturbing than a lot of the other horror movies that I like. Yeah. The Fly, I mean, Vincent Price and The Fly, absolutely classic. But Jeff Goldblum is that character, and and the way he remake, be, yeah. betrayed or not betrayed, portrayed that character and that yeah. transformation. Doctor Seth Brundle, fucking awesome, dude. So Fuck Jurassic Park, the stuff fly. of nightmares, man. <laughs> uh, Hellraiser. And the fly for me, and maybe even the thing, they're the stuff of nightmares. The Cenobites are just so creepy and terrifying, but it's so fascinating, right? Yeah, just it's so interesting. How do they come to be this well, way? Well, they right? lock their their prey, if you will, in purgatory. Yeah. And just fuck with them psychologically. Yeah. And because to the breaking point where they finally just wanted to give up and lo and behold, enter Pinhead yeah. and the Cenobites. This is what's going on here. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. You open the box. <laughs> the fact that it deals with, with the afterlife in that way and hell, the idea of like sort of hell and yeah, it's very frightening. Very frightening indeed. Nice. Let's jump to your next clip. Sure. And uh, Oh, I think I know which one this is. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. <laughs> just cut up our girlfriend with a chainsaw. Does that sound fine? <laughs> All right, Joe, once again, uh, real quick, kiddos sleeping in the background there, dog-friendly podcast. You're a good girl. It's okay. Evil Dead 2. You snatched another one off my list. Um, I mean, come on. Bruce Campbell, Ash, one of the most iconic characters in the horror genre, in my opinion. I saw this movie also as a really young kid, maybe 12, 13. But the first Sam Raimi flick I ever saw. Um, I didn't see Evil Dead 1 until years later. Oh, okay. Everything about this movie... Well played. Why did you pick that one? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to say because I think it's the 
best horror film I've ever seen in my entire life. I think it's absolutely my all-time favorite horror film. Um, that's right. <laughs> I'm wearing my Evil Dead t-shirt. Yep. Evil Dead 2 t-shirt right now. No, it's Evil Dead. I that fine t-shirt earlier. <laughs> yeah, I love... What can I say? I mean... I shouldn't say my favorite. It's my my top two. Nice. Number one being. We'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, I think we it's, may have. Hinted it's a competition it. between. I don't. I don't think either one of the the two films that I picked put on this list that are my all time favorites, are more favorite than the other. I think they're on the same level. They're both my number one. Nice. Uh, and this one is because I had I was like you I was twelve I caught this on HBO late one night I had just <laughs> God barely bless you, HBO God bless HBO back in the Tales day Tales from the Crypt Oof. all the old horror That's a films whole other I saw so many horror films on HBO that I'd never seen before I'd even rented like The Unholy That's another favorite and seldom seen Layer of the White Worm They're just tons but um, this film in particular. The film that I'm going to talk about later was what really got me into modern horror. Like, before I'd seen that film, I, I had only seen films like, aside from the classic universal horror films and things like that, I you know, maybe Psycho, The Birds, The Haunting, uh, Rosemary's Baby, Night of the Living Dead, but the film that will not be mentioned right now and Evil Dead 2 <laughs> both really got me into, like, the Elm Streets and the Halloweens and the... Hellraisers and just opened up my whole world to it. Uh, uh, but this film, I've never seen anything like it. It's so bananas. It's so unique. It's so crazy. And, and for me, coming off of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, right? Or, or Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I know you you not so much not a not huge so much fan a fan of, um, but that was one of those movies. Again, I watched at a young age uh, on Halloween, where I was like. What the fuck is this? Oh, where everybody Go was on. doing the time warp, huh? <laughs> Again? Don't make me sing the song. I know the words. <laughs> I'm warp. going to Rocky Horror, but I'm also coming with you. That's to right. Night of the Living, Night of Living Dead. Dead. The original Night of the Living Dead 7 tomorrow. 7 p.m. Uh, That'll be past tense by the time I get By the time you hear this, up, but still, just to see it on the big screen. Remastered. Yeah. George A. Romano. 2K remaster. Or Night it's a 4K Dead. remaster. So, yeah. This it's is going to be fantastic. Better. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. I'm going to blame I, it on the beers. I derailed well, your train. I, I think it's good, but... Uh, I'm a train wrecker. No, we Evil, were... Evil Dead 2. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say. Okay. One of the, the aspects of the character Ash that I loved outside of the entire story and the Necronomicon and the fucking creepy mom in the cellar and was the chainsaw. Oh, yeah. That hearkened to me of... Leatherface and yeah. the satire of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2 and Bruce Campbell's character and the laughing deer head on the wall and but he not only uses a chainsaw but then he loses his hand and attaches the, attaches chainsaw, the chainsaw to his wrist which by the way you have this chainsaw for your Leatherface costume you oh, could spoilers. recycle it spoilers on my costume man I was trying to surprise oh. people well this will it's Halloween oh. weekend, fuck it. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> no, you're good. But anyways, I was just yeah. saying you could recycle my chainsaw for my Leatherface costume this year. Please, yeah, you could you could recycle that into an Ash chainsaw. You know, Joe, you are a good man <laughs> and a good friend. I can't. What can I tell? What in. can I tell you, dude? I'd never seen a horror film like this before in my life. One, the 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 survivor's a dude. 
like most of these <laughs> horror films, it, the trend was is female. Damsel like, in distress or yeah. the screaming. But they always starlet. become the survivor, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like Laurie Strode and and uh, Ellen Ripley. You know? Can we talk about the new Halloween yet? Okay, wait. The Heather Langenkamp's character Nancy. You know, like they were always the. So here you got a dude. And he goes through so much shit. There's so Some much slapstick shit. in there. Yeah. Like, the fact that I was watching something that was so bloody and gory, but so funny. I'd never seen a film do that before. Like, there's humor in other horror films, but not like Evil Dead. And then it goes even further. He gets, again, <laughs> he loses his hand. His hand gets possessed after a bite. And then he loses his hand when he chops it off and attaches that chainsaw with the double-barreled shotgun. It's like right up there with just that 80s machismo, like that macho badass thing, yeah. you know? And you're like, fuck yeah. Kind of a Mad Max robe warrior Yeah, apocalyptic Like, like the Regman from Phantasm. <laughs> like, just you get this fucking awesome weapon. And then it goes even further by ending the movie with Ash getting thrown back into time, which they foreshadowed earlier oh, yeah. as this ancient hero, Deadite Slayer. Like... What kind of horror film is this, man? I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> and visually, just the way the camera goes with you everywhere. Like when he's running from it after the bridge, when oh, yeah. she's the bridge, yeah, uh, is torn up and, the, and it starts to go dark and the demon from, from its point of yeah, view just chasing the one him. Shot. He goes flying out of the car, it goes right through the car, falls him through the cabin. Like it's still mind-blowing that they did this without the use of... Computers, extremely low and budget, modern camera effects. Oh yeah, and and for such a low budget, phenomenal acting from everybody involved. Well, phenomenal directorial from Sam Raimi. And yeah, who's one of my all-time favorites? He's one of my all-time favorites. I'm gonna say Spider-Man Three kind of fucking sucks, but <laughs> outside of that, the other two Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans are all right. But all right, Spider-Man Two is the best Spider-Man movie they've done. Doc Ock. Extremely yep. well done. Exactly. So, uh, but no, awesome clip. I think we're coming into the home stretch, the final three, and then we're going to get to the juicy meat of the new Real Halloween quick though, I just before we but finish please, this, I just want to yeah. just add on here, if I may, if you if you haven't seen any of the Evil, Evil Dead movies, get on that, especially this time of the year. You've got uh, the Evil Dead, nineteen eighty two, Evil Dead two, Dead by Dawn, eighty seven, Army of Darkness, ninety two. And then there's the 2013 remake of Evil Dead, which is actually good because it's not a remake as much as it may just exist in the same continuity. Nice. Similar theme, but same it's not cabin. different characters. Right. Same cabin, different yeah. characters, different era. And then you've got all three seasons of Ash vs. Evil Dead, which I think are streaming Extremely on Netflix. well done. I'm still heartbroken that show was canceled, but I'm so thankful I got three Fuck seasons. Fuck you, stars. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, we got three seasons, and I think when uh, Bruce Campbell was on some interview on YouTube, I was watching, and him and Sam Raimi kindly got... Kindly, finally got to the point where it was like, we're not going to make another Evil Dead movie. Yeah. Let's do a season, and if that's all we get, at least we're giving the fans yeah. 10 or 11 hours, which is basically two or three movies, Yeah. as opposed to no movie at all. Yeah. And so, you're right. I'm happy we got... I'm three so seasons. happy. I, I'm sad it's gone, um, but I'm happy yeah. we got three seasons. Ash kind of became a, a douche bag and is oh, a little that's, far on the womanizing aspect. That's what I love about it. But 
It's he's stuck in Arrested really Development, dude. Because yeah. if you think about it, if you think about Bruce it, Kent, yeah, anyway. the first three Evil Dead movies only take place over the course of four nights. Four consecutive yeah. nights. First night of the cabin is the first movie. The second night of the cabin is the second movie. And then two nights in medieval England. So he went through at a young age, four <laughs> nights, doing that shit, seeing the undead, time traveling, having to hack up his friends and his sister because they're possessed. And then he comes back. He never grew up. So he's like this middle-aged... <laughs> Actually, he's older than middle-aged, but he's like this old... Wait, relic of his era and Bruce Campbell's character Ash and, yeah. or me no I'm and talking about Ash here <laughs> he's stuck in the not not the video game like comic book reading you know cartoon watching that I'm in yeah. I'm talking like he's still straight up like right out of the early 80s like a <laughs> macho you know just total like uh, un PC kind of guy but that's what I like about his arc is you see this progress over the course of all these movies yeah. and, and through the, the TV continuity show. of yeah. all three films plus the TV series, yeah. the video game adaptations of Evil Dead. Fistful of Boomstick was it's, a fun I game. I was just going to mention that fun title game. in particular was way fun, and the graphics at the time were killer. But I think they're working on a new game. Getting to the home stretch. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep new going. Game. Speaking yeah. of gaming, <clears throat> Red Dead Redemption 2. Yes, I know. But on to the next clip. All right, show me what you got. In order to appease the gods, the druid priests held fire rituals. Prisons of war, criminals, the insane, animals were burned alive in baskets. By observing the way they died, the druids believed they could see omens of the future. Two thousand years later, we've come no further. Samhain isn't evil spirits. It isn't goblins, ghosts, or witches. It's the unconscious mind. We're all afraid of the dark inside ourselves. So going back to uh, Halloween there, huh? Halloween 2. That's to right. Be precise, so. That's right. More of the night came home which uh god damn it we'll get to the new Halloween <laughs> eventually um but again Halloween you, you snatched another one that I was really hoping <laughs> to throw in to the title and then we went and saw the new Halloween I regret nothing <laughs> no it's well played <laughs> it's perfect because now we have Halloween 1 and, and two. 2 which are basically um, and it's Halloween 2 was the last movie with the shape that Deborah Hill played a role in yeah um out I mean outside of that I love the character Dr. Loomis yeah a phenomenal role I love the supernatural aspect that they gave the shape in Halloween 2 it yeah. wasn't so much of he's going after his his bloodline his sister and that carried over through 4, 5, and 6 and well Halloween 2 introduces that yeah, that's, what, it, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So the clip I chose is the sheriff brings Dr. Loomis to the school and written on the dry erase board in blood is Sam Hain. And it's Dr. Loomis explaining to the nurse where the term Sam Hain loosely comes from. Right. And throws a very psychological twist on it. Yeah. It's like we're all afraid of the darkness in ourselves. Yeah. Anyway, Dude, Sam Lewis so, was the backbone of that series for me. I mean, I love Laurie Strode. Don't get me wrong. Right. 
But she's the victim in the first two movies where Dr. Loomis is the, he's the monster hunter. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's hunting his great white well. Or he's, he's, he's Van Helsing. <laughs> Moby Dick. He is to uh, the shape, you know, what Van Helsing is to Dracula or Moriarty to Sherlock. Like, he's the hunter. Nice. Yeah. And I like that idea. Um, and I guess you kind of have to have a character like that, too, when you have a, a antagonist who doesn't speak or you don't see their face. You know what I mean? They're just There's pure, no dialogue. Yeah. There's no emotion. There's pure, you know, There's malice just and cruelty. The shape. Yeah. Yeah. And so, no, for me, that's that's the reason why when, when uh, they did 4 and 5 and Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't in them, it's always a bummer. It would have been nice if they'd continued with her since they tied it into her character's bloodline anyways. Right. But I don't think they could have worked 4, 5, or 6 without Dr. Loomis. You know what I mean? They wouldn't have. Donald Pleasance was a genius. He worked with Carpenter a few times, too. Um, besides Halloween, he's in Escape, Escape from, from New York, New York. Yep. Prince of Darkness. Oh, shit, he is in Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Well, Donald Pleasance just plays that role so good. and I think Andrew McDowell, who played Loomis in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, Malcolm? Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell. McDowell. Yeah. Thank you. He was um, good. And loved him in Clockwork Orange. Yeah, Which was a, a great flick. after but, time. Loves. And a great novel. Yeah. Extremely hard to read novel. I gave up, to be <laughs> honest. And just decided to like the film. Yeah. But um, Dr. Loomis is, is an awesome character. And you had Loomis talking about Michael Myers from Halloween 1. I feel like it's late enough in the podcast where I still wanted to pay homage to those yeah. early Halloween flicks. And well, not pick four, five, or six, but what John Carpenter and Deborah Hill created, and the fact that you had him talking about Michael Myers and his eyes, and this yeah. was more Sam Hain and the origins of that, it, and the fact we're gonna finally talk about the new Halloween in a minute. <laughs> um, well, let's face it; they're basically one movie. It was it's fitting. One giant yeah. film, Halloween one and two. If you, Absolutely, you could totally it's the edit same the two night. together, where the first one ends, the second one picks. I mean, it's not even moments later. It's like it picks up right from that moment. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. I think the first time I saw that, it was like, what? <laughs> so it's just <laughs> the same night? Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, that's a long-ass violent night. A lot of people died that night. And then the setting in the hospital, at mm -hmm. Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, and some brutal deaths in that Yeah. That hospital. to the eyeball. It's yeah. never good. Never get in a metal jacuzzi in a medical facility ever. Never. You couldn't. Uh, no, I'm not getting in that. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, excellent, excellent choice. I love those early. I love the first six Halloween movies. And, and not, not counting I, three. I mean, I do love three, but not but as a Halloween The Michael film. Myers contained. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, but we are on the home stretch. All right. We've already kind of chatted about Deborah Hill and John Carpenter's the shape and Halloween. Yeah. We're going to focus on that more. Let's get to uh, it's a funny. clip I think you're overly excited to get. Oh, to. I th okay. I think I know what's. Yeah, I remember but what's You were saying out. it's funny. I was funny. just going to say it's funny yeah. that uh, a lot of the films we've talked about, uh, John Carpenter's been involved with quite a few tonight, uh, as well as uh, a lot of these have Screen Factory releases on Blu ray. <laughs> it's a few Arrow, but mostly Screen, which is cool because I have a lot of those. I need to get them all, though. One day I'll have nice. them all. On Blu-ray, and I'm not going to rebuy them on 4K, but I probably will. <laughs> I say I won't. But you say you won't, but you five won't. years time I will, if yeah. it's still around. 
But yeah, let's let's mosey on over to this other clip. <laughs> you think that when you die, you go to heaven. You come to us. All right, Joe. It's been kind of creeping up on us throughout this episode. Here it comes. Phantasm. Yeah, not just Phantasm. Phantasm 2. See, I'm, I'm extremely unfamiliar with Phantasm. Wow, Phantasm. I've only seen one twice, maybe three times. Parts of two, and that's it. And there's five films in this There's franchise? five. Between 1979 and 2016, there are five. What do you love about this uh, franchise? Dude, uh, <laughs> this is right there with Evil Dead 2 as my favorite horror films of all time. Phantasm 2 and Evil Dead 2. And I don't know if it had to do with, I think the age had something to do with it, being, you know, 12 years old, watching these movies. Evil Dead, or Phantasm 2 is just as is out there as Evil Dead 2. It is, uh, this whole franchise, it's a weird hallucinatory sci-fi horror series. Is it sci-fi? Is it horror? I mean, is it fantasy? I don't know. It's like it could be supernatural, but they could be science fiction. It's just a the whole thing is just a heady mindfuck, man. Nice. The whole slew of films, and they just get more bizarre as they go along. But the second one took all the elements that I love about the original because I did see the original on video. Let me back up real quick. Saw a TV spot for this film coming to theaters called Phantasm Two. With the tagline, it was like this summer. The ball is back. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Flying is sphere? Ball? It's a the flying silver sphere. The silver sphere with the, the blades that come out and stick in your head while it drills and sucks everything out of your head. I'm like, why have I never heard of this horror film? And, oh wait, I have. I see the cover at my video shop all the time. Why have I never checked this out? Yeah. So I finally rented it. I've seen that on the shelf in the video store. Yeah, I eventually have to rent it. I rented it. And uh, I was like, okay, this is a cool, fun flick because the main character is 13 years old. He's got his older brother who's maybe 19, his best buddy. Uh, there's, it's a bunch of dudes, again, kind of odd for horror at that time. Um, which is really weird for me to say, but it's true. Like There really wasn't a whole lot of uh, male leads in horror films that would be the survivors, right? Most of the time, it tended to be... Women. I don't know if it tended to be women or the the women just outacted the men. Possibly. Sigourney Weaver. But Brooklyn. I mean, dude, uh, you got the Sentinel. You got, uh, um, well, not the Omen films, but like like Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, uh, the Halloween franchises. They're all uh, woman survivors. So you didn't get a lot of like super awesome action oriented sci fi. The horror like Phantasm where there were you know male protagonists yeah. and so I mean there was that aspect that I could relate to the main character Mike because he's 13 I'm 13 watching this thing it's like cool I'm in an R-rated horror film now and uh, <laughs> they took all the elements that I love about the original and I do I love it so much that uh, in, it, on nearly two weeks ago I went to the Tower Theater and saw the screening of Phantasm, and the writer-director, Don Coscarelli, was there. Uh, he's promoting his book, his new book, about his life in, in independent cinema. And uh, 
I paid enough to go see the movie. There was a Q&A beforehand, and afterwards he would take the time to sign the book or whatever you brought, take photos with you, and generally, uh, like, chit-chat with you for like a good five minutes or so. Nice. And he's really, really cool. This is one of my heroes, uh, cinematic heroes. He did Phantasms 1 through 4, Beastmaster, Survival Quest, <laughs> Beastmaster. Bubba Hotep, nice. John Dies at the End, and he did an episode of Masters of Horror called An Incident on and Off the Mountain. Oh, shit, Masters of Horror. I forgot all about that series. Good series. Yeah. Really good series. I mean, hit or miss with some of the stories, but overall, good series. Yeah. So he's one of my heroes, right? He's worked with Bruce Campbell and Paul Giamatti and Reggie Bannister and Daniel oh, Roebuck names and Clancy Brown. Flipping tons of people that I just, I <laughs> love. Um, what do you love about the man Lance in black? Lance Erickson. What's that? The man in, uh, the tall the man? The tall man. Man in it's black. Very interesting Cash, look. But, yeah. Yeah. Johnny Cash man. is Thank the tall you. No, well, the, the tall, tall man's man. in black. Come on, be fair. The tall man in black. We're having beers. We're keeping... He's walking around taking up. people's <laughs> souls while singing about Folsom Prison Blues. I like the tall man. Uh, he's one of the most interesting, enigmatic villains. We kind of have a backstory to him, but it's not definitive like Freddy or Candyman or The Shape or Jason or Leatherface. That's he's Freddy. like an enigma, more like Pinhead. Or Pinhead. Pinhead, we, we got That's kind right. of a rotten origin story but yeah. we got one <laughs> and there is a slight origin story for for the tall man but it's not it doesn't really explain things it that's the whole weird thing about that film series it's like a dream because it never really explains exactly what's going on it just kind of i have a notion of what the films are about obviously because i keep going to them <laughs> but dude and and phantasm 2 is to evil dead or I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Phantasm 2 is to Phantasm. What Evil Dead 2 is to Evil Dead, and what Aliens is to Alien. It just takes the central core of what you love about the original and just fucking ramps it up to 11. Nice. And it's just got all kinds of gore and nudity and shot quadruple barrel shotguns. And <laughs> it's just such a cool film. Good cinematography, good performances all around. Uh... Again, the Phantasm movies are the special place in my heart because that's what got me into really into modern, then modern horror. Nice. And it was like oh, yeah. that in the Evil Dead movies, which is why those two are on my all-time favorite list. There are, I suppose, technically better horror films like The Shining or The Exorcist, but now there's no comparison for me for those two. So I recommend you get on those, check them out again. I At need to re-familiarize myself with those movies, but I will be honest with you, and that when we first bought our house, I was overlooking the back fence, and diagonally there's an older gentleman, and it, I don't know why, but he was wearing pretty much the same getup as the tall uh, man from the Phantasm. Man back there. And I told Jackie that. she I don't think she knew what I was talking about. Right. It's like... Our neighbor's a tall man. <laughs> it was like, kind of like, fuck. And it, but in a cool way, I guess. Fuck it, That's dude. cool. Just, if he ever says anything to you, like, the funeral service is about to begin, boy. sir, or boy, just get the hell out of there. Yeah, I'm not, well, I'm not out running the spirit. <laughs> no. Yeah. And that's another thing. That has got to be one of the coolest things I've ever seen in cinema. 
let alone horror films. Flying spheres with a mind of their own that can do shoot lasers, they can cut off your ear, <laughs> laser beam, shoot stick right in your head, and drill through your skull and suck out all your blood, or just blow right through your brain. They got little. They can get stuck in your body. They got little spindly blades. They'll just crawl right through you. Like it's so crazy. <laughs> what are those things? They're so awesome. Uh, so I highly recommend them. They're Phantasm, and October is the perfect time for Phantasm movies. Fuck yeah. Nice. I'll revisit those. We're, we're on to the last one. All we right. started first with your clips, and we're ending last on Already? Wow. That was short. That's through the... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't take too long, did it? It's no. a Halloween special. Yeah. Be grateful, you Oh, bastards. we could have gone for 31 days. Oh, trust me. Straight. It would have been a long time. 31 day live stream. <laughs> Try to set boundaries. Um, <laughs> but should we get to the last clip? Sure. Let's. And then uh, we'll finally, finally get to talk Halloween. About Halloween. Okay. Briefly and kind of share our thoughts and I'll, I'll let you get home. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, let me hear what you got. Klaatu, Mirada, Right on, man. That's a classic. <laughs> Dude, perfect. I love that film. Uh, Why did you choose this one? Army of Darkness. I mentioned it with Evil Dead 2. You kind of sucked the wind out of my cells. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it, I love it. I think it's been perfect, especially the way it's, we've, we haven't really married each other, but when we have a chance for you to pick Halloween and me to pick Halloween 2, right. Evil Dead 2, I grabbed the sequel, Army of Darkness. And really, for me, I, what better note to close it out with? Yeah. On the final clip, I gave you the leeway with the first one, and... I got to the end and was like, oh, I get the final clip. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't even think about it until I was getting all the clips together. I do apologize for the sound quality on the Phantasm clip. Yeah, it's a hard it's one the best to get. I could get yeah, no, but it's good. Nonetheless, a great franchise there itself. Army of Darkness. I loved Evil, to, Evil Dead, especially Evil Dead 2 as a kid. I remember seeing the trailer for Army of Darkness. And it was totally removed from the Evil Dead title. Yeah, that was universal. Yeah. Fucking studios. <laughs> Just like, let your artists do their thing, man. It's fucking Sam Raimi, goddammit. Yeah. But uh, I, I just remember seeing that trailer and being like, this is a sequel to Evil Dead 2. I instantly right. knew the second I saw Ash and yeah. Buick <laughs> and the, the medieval times, I was like, this is a sequel to Evil Dead. I can't remember. I had a, a friend... As a, as a kid that I watched Evil Dead 2 with a few times and I tried to tell them it was a sequel and they kind of were like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no. It's it was like one of the first proud moments in my life when it did come out and it was extremely <laughs> clear this is absolutely yeah, a sequel. exactly. And, and I love everything about that movie. The direction, it was given a bigger budget. Yeah. The way they kind of paid homage to practical effect from like Sinbad and the Seven Voyages yeah yeah Jason and the Argonauts oh, yeah. yeah fuck yeah dude Jason and the Argonauts nice so it was just a fun one for me to end it out and then Ash I think that scene is a aside from this is my boom stick <laughs> yeah with the double barrel sawed off shotgun uh, at the beginning of Army of Darkness that line kind of helps define him as a character yeah absolutely he forgets the fucking words yeah 
And, and the Merlin-esque character is like, whatever you do, <laughs> don't take the yeah. fucking book unless you say these words in this sequence. He totally fucks it up. Dude. Oh, yeah. He's like, I got it. I got it. And then, <laughs> then does the whole spiel there. Uh, but that's just Ash. He's such an idiot. I love the guy. I can't believe he's the savior of the, the world several times over. So I got to agree. When I first saw the trailer, I had heard that it was in the works. I think it was in Fangoria Magazine. They were talking about it. Then it was I in love the... love Fangoria Magazine. And yeah. they just rebooted. I Did don't it? know if you know that. No, I didn't. But yeah, different publishers, I'm sure. press. And uh, I think their first big issue was... The new Halloween. Oh, okay. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But Sam Raimi, Army of Darkness. Yeah, no. Um, from what I'd heard, read, it was originally titled um, Evil Dead 3, the Army of Darkness. Well, that's what I've heard. It's like, well. sweet. And then, uh, and then when I saw the trailer and it was just Army of Darkness, I still knew. And I knew one other friend who was really into these movies, my friend Frank. And then it was a kid I was hanging out with at the time, Derek, who had just gotten into I talked him into watching the first two Halloweens. Nice. Or, I mean, Evil, Evil Dead. Uh, like, I know um, what you meant. <laughs> yeah, you know what I meant. Uh, I think he actually watched them just a few weeks before we went. We all decided to go see Army of Darkness. And we went to the old Conwood Mall theaters. And there was like maybe 10 other people. There was like 13 people in the entire opening <laughs> night, 7 p.m. And that scene where Ash jumps, where the wizard throws him, and when he's in the pit, throws him the uh, chainsaw. Drops the chainsaw. And he jumps in the, the air and just, just catches boom. it with his nub. Yep. We, all of us, everyone in the theater applauded. I was like, <laughs> well, at least they're fans that are here. But yeah, what a goofy, awesome way to end that trilogy, you know? And I always love the cult aspect of the Evil Dead franchise. Yeah. And it really was, at least in my opinion, one of those last horror franchises that really kind of stayed in the shadows of the subculture or counterculture and I would say that in until Phantasm. it was brought to light yeah and you'd know better on Phantasm than me but for me that was the one where it was like this is special yeah yeah and with no. the internet it, things are still special but they're not as special as they were when we were growing up no it's really so weird you hold on to those things yeah, I mean, isn't it weird, like, back in the day, I only knew X amount of people that liked Evil Dead movies, or X amount of people that liked Phantasm movies, or X amount of people There's always a small like group Doctor within Who. your inner circles, yeah. Yeah, and then, suddenly these things get big, and I'm like, okay, so I guess there are more fans <laughs> than, than me, obviously, but how come I never met, and then the internet, and then suddenly you realize, yeah, there's the whole world of people that are into these things, too. And it's... Damn it, it's not just me and my small group of friends. <laughs> but it was... No, I mean, it was cool. Like, back in the day, I think I knew five people total that liked Doctor Who. And now, it's... So for, like, over a decade, it was, like, my little culty thing. Yeah. Amongst these group of people. You were the first people I ever talked to that brought up Doctor Who and... and, and a big sense introduced me to that character and that franchise and yeah. advised me what seasons or episodes to watch in particular and I'm glad you did well, thank you <laughs> I love sharing that stuff man but Army of Darkness kind of shares that same yeah. culture or I mean what would you term that 
Well, culture? it's definitely a cult. They're cult films for sure. Oh, yeah. It definitely put them in that vein. And all I meant was that, like, it's weird now that um, a lot more people know about the Evil Dead and Army of Darkness and Ash vs. Evil Dead films and TV shows now because of things like Ash vs. Evil Dead. Like, more and more people now know about this little that I'm finding out. Or maybe they, there was already a lot of people that knew, but it's like, same thing with Doctor Who, like, the cat's out of the bag now. Yeah. Now everybody knows how awesome these things are. <laughs> They're still special, but it's just, I feel like maybe compared to Freddy and Jason and Leatherface, uh, Ash is definitely on the fringes, but within like general fandom, people know the Evil Dead movies. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. They're not they're not that obscure anymore. Um, obscure. Yeah. That's the term I was yeah, looking for. Obscure. Thank you. Solve the riddle. Well, and and we did kind of already wrap about Sam Raimi and and Evil Dead. Uh, we are getting into the longest episode of the Dead Serial Podcast, which I love. Congratulations! Thank you very much. Ding, Thank ding, you ding, for ding. your help and participation and input on putting it together. And I feel like there should be ticker tape flying right now <laughs> and like balloons <laughs> and you know. It's like in the twenty five star ratings on iTunes. Like we did it, we made it. But this is good for uh, for a nice travel session. If you're traveling, yeah. pop this in. Yeah, work out. Start it, stop it. I'm. Uh, hopefully, people kind of listen to it and immediately throughout their Halloween weekend. Yes, which is coming and up. Real more quick. to come next year, and yes. we will get on the YouTube kick. Uh, but doing four episodes in one month has distracted me from <laughs> being able to focus on what we want to do there because I I want it to be unique and different. And I know you do. Yeah. So we'll get on that. Sounds good. But let's get to the juicy part that hopefully everybody's been holding on to. Last week, we got the opportunity to go see the 2018 Halloween. Yes. Absolutely spoilers here. Um, I know you did an in-depth review on the Fanax of Film YouTube channel. We did. So I don't think we need a review necessarily. I hope people go to YouTube, search Fanax of Film, and, and you and Ben did an awesome review of it there. Well, thank you. I hope people go and, and check us out on, on the YouTubes. But let's just talk about what we maybe what our takeaways or thoughts were about the film. And sure. If you want to start, the 2018 Halloween what did you think of the uh, return of the shape? Oh, the boogeyman. I, I liked that. I liked that a lot. I think that, that they really uh, kind of got back to the roots of what made the first two and four and five and six so good for me. Uh, there were there were a few moments, though, of like modern horror, and, like as far as the teenagers and the, the way they portray teenagers in films and things where you're like, yeah, these characters need to die. They're just awful. I, I kids. remember you saying that in the theater. <laughs> yeah, these I are the ones who are gonna die. <laughs> Call it. And some of them do. Yeah. Um, I was overly pleased. Um, yeah, I think there I were aspects I of four, five, and six that I really love. Obviously, you Thank have you. to appreciate one and two. But the costume in four, five, and six is pretty terrible in my opinion it's not in great. H2O well, I, I just gotta tell you I've talked to so and many people you, that don't like those so the fact that you like those three I appreciate that well I grew up watching those they, they yeah. helped 
indoctrinate me into this horror genre and, and give me this appreciation. And I will give Rob Zombie credit. I'm not a huge fan of what he did. Not so much with Halloween as a movie, but with Michael Myers or The Shape as a character. He, he just humanized him and made him another Jeffrey Dahmer. Or yeah. Whatever the fuck. I don't give a fuck about Son of Sam or <laughs> actual serial killers. Right. Killers. It was the supernatural aspects of The Shape that I loved. And yeah. I, and, but cinematography, the music score... The costume, especially with Michael Myers, I think Rob Zombie fucking killed it. And yeah. I love those aspects of his movies. Yeah. But this one, in retrospect, aside from... I have some hang-ups with them ignoring Halloween 2, especially right. if you're just going to burn them up in the end of this movie. I said spoilers. So <laughs> you're going to trap them in a room and burn them up just like you did in Halloween 2. Why not just keep that sequence and have it be 40 years after that and he survived the fire the but I understand reason, why yeah, they did what they did yeah. and, and you understand why I right think. it's because they wanted to cut the whole Laurie Strode family bloodline to Michael Myers tie did they though? yeah oh I don't or is it they, her they granddaughter just, just playing coy like no it's not her sister that's just what the town tells themselves to feel better about it or is she actually... No, that was... Because they did hearken to a distinct connection between Michael and Laurie well, in this movie. He chose her. So what is that if it's not a bloodline? Well, because, I first of all, to answer that, the line about uh, the granddaughter mentioning the sister, and yeah, that was their nod in as saying, yep, it's not connected to part two. That's not... That didn't happen okay, in this continuity. Okay, all right. And I think the reason why is because they did want to make it more of a um, less supernatural threat, more grounded, like. Well, and I do appreciate the fact that if there isn't a bloodline and it's just the fact that she's the one who outplayed him and kind of fucked him up and hurt him in the first Halloween and then he was apprehended, taken back to the sanitarium, which is called, it's, it's Haddonfield something hospital. It's not yeah. the sanitarium that it was in the first one. No. But, uh, yeah. But overall, I, I liked it. Yeah. I think it's super fun. I could nitpick it. Paid homage to almost every single Halloween film in one way or another. It does be, become... A fitting sequel to the first one. Yeah, it, I mean, in its own right, it's what a good do you film. think? I mean, what what are your thoughts? I'm kind of rambling because this is my phantasm. I, I love the shape. I love Michael Myers. I love Halloween. Whatever he's, he'll. I'm right on board with you. I think score. they're. All right shut right. up. What did What did you think, man? I liked it. I thought it was a good. It was a good sequel. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't think it. I don't think any of the sequels live up to the original. Uh, I said that earlier, same thing with Psycho and, you know, a lot of these films. But I think as far as sequels go, um, I think it's probably on par with two, four, five, and six. Because I think all four of those are on par with one another. Nice. I think they're really in, in, interesting films. Uh, Aside from the, films. the costume, the continuity is red. Yeah. And I don't even mind the costume as much. Like, it doesn't drive me crazy when I watch it. I, it kind of makes sense that he would have a different mask 
if Halloween 2 is in the continuity and it burned up. I mean, yeah. you watch that scene at the end of Halloween yeah, that's 2 why he gets another where he's walking through the fire. Yeah. And that, kudos to the stuntman because that fucking flame yeah. suit is blazing. Yeah. Ripping the I'd fire. like to see the behind the scenes footage so of that, that shot. So the original mask could be done. Yeah, yeah, behind the scenes on that would be red. Well, that's the, that's why he gets the other mask when he returns to Haddonfield in 4. Right. You know. Um, I mean, it gets a little weird with Thorn and the whole druid, you know, supernatural aspect. But at the same time, yeah. I don't mind that. You know, I didn't even mind H2O. That one was pretty... I know that that discounted... Four, five, and... Excuse me, I know that. Four, five, and six. sequel to two. One and two. Yeah. And, uh... I mean, it was good. It was just... It was riding on the heels of... It felt more like uh, Scream. It was riding on the Scream. I know what you did last summer. Kevin Williamson thing. It was popular in the late 90s. It felt more like that. Yeah, horror pop. Horror pop. That's a good way to describe it. (laughs) It felt more like that than a Halloween movie. I mean, it was the 20th anniversary. They got Jamie Lee back, and that was great. But, I mean, it definitely felt like a 90s teen, like, uh, self-referential horror thing. Yeah, yeah. But The Faculty was good, really. Faculty is a Underrated as well. Underrated Robert Rodriguez movie. But going back to this... um, and I don't really, I'm not a fan of the Rob Zombie films per se, but so to me, this is this is in like the sort of classic tradition of the Halloween sequels. They pulled it off. And they they pulled it off really well. It, it plays right into Halloween 1. Jamie Lee Curtis is phenomenal as Laurie Strode. Oh, yeah. However, I don't think they're done. I don't think they're done. They Apparently, they are already working on a sequel whether it's just a script or whatever. and I of hope course. they do it's a whole they new continuity you know that yeah, this yeah. and the uh, this and the Godzilla movies are the only films that completely keep going to reboot their continuities multiple times James Bond is going to join that because they've rebooted their continuity once when Daniel Craig came on as the new Bond none of the other Going films back to Casino Royale yeah which is right the first the book first novel yep. so that was like basically the cutoff point like yes Judy Dench is in this film but it's not the same continuity as these first five bonds so they're doing the same thing with Halloween this is the fifth continuity in the Halloween series yep because I mean you got the, the one two four five and six which I, I refer to as the Sam Loomis saga nice and then because he's in all of them then you've got Laurie Strode, Chapter 1, which would be Halloween, Halloween 2, H2O, and Resurrection. And then you've got Laurie Strode, Chapter 2, which would be <laughs> the original Halloween, the new Halloween. Then you've got the uh, Rob Zombie Halloween 1 and 2. Yep. And then you've got Halloween 3, Season, Season of the Witch, of the its own continuity. Silver Shamrock. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know. I, in a lot of ways, I know there's bias there, but... I could fanboy out uh, on this movie. It was fun. It was a good. It was time. fun. The score is phenomenal. Yeah, it was nicely shot too. John Carpenter and his son Cody. Cody, Cody and then uh, there, and then there was another gentleman. I should know his name, but I don't. Um, it could be the Bears and. Yeah, probably the yeah, Bears. Whatever. <laughs> exactly. But no, I, cinematography I, I loved was good. It. I and really liked the way it was up, shot. Oh, dude, cinematography. The the one. There's a particular one shot 
right where he comes into heaven filled and the kids are trick-or-treating and they yeah. bump into him and it just falls on just yeah. just like through the first two yeah but it was awesome yeah skirt. yeah that was and, that moment it, and it pays so much homage to yeah. halloween too that's what i was gonna say is that moment it started off as a homage to halloween and then it becomes a homage to halloween too oh, yeah. in the same shot well so and everything clever. that transpires at the gas station is kind of in a sense, at least for me, paid homage to Halloween Four. Yeah, exactly. So, what about uh, the fact that they would introduce old tropes like the closet or the linen hanging out? Yeah. But they would they would play with it, so you kept thinking Michael Myers or the shape is going to. But he didn't. But he didn't. Yeah, or he's going to be in the closet, but he's not. Like, just the way they also took the old elements and just kind of played with your uh, anticipation. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like they really messed with you in that sense. Yeah, I like them. Will Patton. Love Will Patton. The, Will Patton, the, the first film I saw him in where I was like, this this guy's a fucking cool actor, was gone in 60 seconds. Oh, yeah, okay. And I like that movie. I don't give a shit. I think <laughs> Nicolas Cage is phenomenal. Uh, Robert Duvall's. As Otto is even more phenomenal. You know, I've actually never seen Angelina Jolie's hair sucks, but yeah. (laughs) You recommend? So you do you have it? Do you own it? Uh, I do have that on DVD. Surprisingly, next month after Scary Movie Month, I want to borrow that from you. I've never seen it, so really, yeah. It's supposed to, in some sort of sense, be a continuation of Steve McQueen and fuck was that movie where he's in the Bay Area and God damn it. What, Bullet? Yes. Okay. Interesting. So Nick Cage's character is supposedly supposed to be reminiscent of Steve McQueen in okay. Bullet. I'll say because I do love is Bullet. Is this Shelby GT Ford Mustang in Bullet? I believe it is. And yes. Okay. <laughs> and it's, they were both in San Francisco then. Uh, I think he calls the car Guinevere. <laughs> He's gone in 60 seconds. Yeah. But anyways, back to Halloween. You've got a, an in-depth review of Ben on the Fanax, a film on YouTube. Yeah. People can check it out there. Is there Please anything do. else on the Dead Serial Halloween special you'd like to talk about, whether it's some of our clips or 2018 Halloween or... Well, I could go on about on and on and on and on about all the movies I love for this time of year or any time <laughs> of the year, but then this could stretch out easily to an eight-hour eight-hour session I think we'll be just over two hours <laughs> but it's a Halloween special oh, and I hope Halloween. everybody enjoys it yeah yeah well thanks for letting me co-host man that was yeah. great no I think okay. uh, I think we've pretty much covered a hefty ground uh, 12 really good films that I highly recommend and that you recommend right absolutely yeah. all 12 yeah and their franchises in total yeah even even stick out even some of them have like lamer films in the series but just stick them out you know yeah it's good it, it's worth it yeah it's good man <laughs> awesome man. thank Fuck you yeah, for uh, for letting me co-host man oh yeah it was a good time sitting down with joe drinking beers shooting the shit about horror flicks uh have a safe and happy halloween and i'll see you next month Give him two lips like roses and clover. Then tell him 
Bum, 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 bum,